We're live. Welcome back to episode, I can't believe it's episode 75 on the Coffee with Craner show. I've had so many great opportunities speaking with industry professionals from Windsor, Essex and beyond. And today I'm so excited to introduce my 75th guest, Stefan Svetkovic, or otherwise known as Datsun in the community. He's a multidisciplinary artist and producer based right here in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Uh, You'll, you'll see him on Spotify, Twitch is where he where he hangs out on, or Discord. Uh, but he uses a drum machine, sampler, and other instruments to really create beats and, and songs um, in his free time. And he does this full-time, actually. But uh, during his free time, you could probably see him at the uh, the local skate park uh, <laughs> for a skate sesh or, or, you know, being a father. So he's, he's got a lot on his plate. But uh, I'm so excited to really talk about this specific industry and how he's making it out as a full-time uh, producer and multidisciplinary artist. Datsun, thanks for being on here today, man. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. So my first question, and uh, it's the hardest one, where <laughs> Windsor, Essex is your favorite place to grab a nice cup of joe? Whoa. <laughs> like, I can't... Uh, lately, I've been really frequenting Anchor, uh, yeah. one of my faves. Cafe March 21, ha, you know, has a place in my heart too, man. Both of those places are probably my my top two right there, you know. And then recently, Chance, there's too many good ones right now. There's too many. I can't. I yeah, can't choose yeah. one. I love so, them all. Are for you different- by the Droulard area? I can imagine that's why you said Anchor. Well, Anchor being like more even Walkerville, like yeah. Chance is the Droulard one. So yeah, for yeah. me, like I live... Uh, in the Erie area, like Little Italy, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's definitely, they're all pretty much the exact same distance from me in a way, you know? Uh, so I like to go to them for different reasons, you know? <laughs> That's how you're feeling. Yes, exactly, exactly. So talk to me, how did you come up with the name uh, Datsun? It's so unique. Do you like the car? How did that, how did that come yeah, up? Definitely, I love the car. Uh, you know, I don't know the exact, like, reason i think for a long time like i had toyed with the the name like sun along with just like different variations of that and i think that you know being a fan of the 240z as well big time i love that i love that car so much and um and the design and everything that it kind of like i don't know there's something about that name that in combining it with the the way i'd initially like to spell sun in that way and it kind of felt like this name that didn't really make you think like anything specific, like a genre of music in that way. So it just felt right. You know, there was something about it that it's such a hard thing. Like it's hard to explain a feeling, right? Like when something just like feel, it felt right. The moment I wrote it down that first time I was like, that's it. That's where I'm going. That's it. You know? So yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I know there isn't a real direct answer to that, but, well, that's the thing, like with art, it doesn't have to have like a, a specific dictionary meaning or anything really tied to it, right? It's it's the whole point of being unique. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, we have some, actually, I'm going to just jump into the comments coming up. Uh, so, Sonny off Beth, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Feel that sunny, sun baby, much love. <laughs> what does that, that mean? Repping. Feel that sun. I just have this. Uh, Feel that sun, baby. <laughs> It's, it's from a track. It's from one of my tracks. Uh, Dad life. I see some folks, Zara from uh, from our Twitch fam and Discord Rare Sounds World fam. Woo! 
<laughs> yeah, though, no, there's this is I mean, your entire community is coming on here, which is which is really cool. Um, and just jumping to our, our next question. But before we do those watching, feel free to comment your questions below. I'd love to engage with you and uh, drill Datsun with some hard questions. But uh, my next one is, how did you like really start getting involved with producing music? Uh, I think that I'm just trying to even think where, when it started. I feel like it had started just when I started playing in my first bands, you know, uh, with the first projects that I was a part of, it just kind of, that was a natural sort of evolution to getting my music heard was like figuring out how to produce it that way. And I see my son running in the room, but I felt there's something about just like, you know, especially when I was younger, it felt, I felt this like need to want to understand everything about that process more than just saving up some money to try and go record at a studio. Yeah. Part of me was like, well, I'd rather just have the studio and we could record anytime. So it kind of was an, a, something that just came naturally in that way. But I think the, the transition to actually sitting and really taking time to learn production came during my first year of college. I was going to Fanshawe and I ended up getting kicked out of Fanshawe first semester uh, because <laughs> I just never went. I spent so much time at home producing music and learning how to use Ableton and all these programs that when it came to that second semester, I was just like, I had this realization of like, I should just go to school for this exact thing. So I ended up just taking that semester off and working and going to school uh, in London, OIR, the Ontario Institute of Audio Recording Technology. But amazing school, amazing faculty, and so much hands-on. So I spent a lot of time learning that and it all just came back down to like, you know, having had experience playing drums in bands and performing live and having the technical background. It just felt like this natural thing to do for me was to start making more music from the helm, you know, like trying to just yeah. be like, okay, let's actually produce some things that way. And yeah, my my love for hip hop and and trying to understand what producers like Jay Dilla were doing and Ninth Wonder were doing with flipping samples and taking these pieces of music that weren't ever intended to be heard in this way. But you're, you know, it's like hearing these fresh takes on whether it's old soul or new tracks, it doesn't matter. Hearing a flip of a sample and trying to sort of dissect how they did it is so incredible. It's such a work of art in itself. Like if, if you tap in with someone like Jay Dilla from Detroit, I mean, the the way he was chopping up samples, it was so, you know, clinical in a way. And it made me want to just dive even deeper in that and learn how to, you know, do it myself and start to understand it more that way. So was there like an instrument you played growing up? I played, you know, I played a lot of instruments, but I think the one that I stuck with the most was drums. Okay. You know, I grew up, like anyone else having like some random piano lessons for a time when I was young, but then I found skateboarding and I was like, I don't need, piano, you know, and then it was just like, I forget exactly when I got my first drum set, but I think I was 15 and I bought it at a garage sale and I just kind of, I stuck with drums self-taught. It's something that I've always, I wish that I 
I had thought of, and it's never too late, but I wish that I thought of it during that time to be like, I should maybe try going to school for this or something. And I shouldn't say I wish I did because I'm so happy to be where I'm at right now. And I wouldn't be had I gone down that path, you know? So just a rewind there on that. But uh, yeah, I feel like drums is probably, were probably the main thing I had stuck with throughout all these years. No, it's, that's really interesting. And, and you tie in drums and, and piano and other instruments into what you're producing now, right? Absolutely. Big time. Yeah. Especially, I mean, both are such huge aspects. And I am not a pianist by any means, but I can noodle on the piano and definitely work around melodies and bass lines that way to sort of make these productions. But the amount of rhythm and drums I, I use within just this machine yeah. is like, you know, anytime someone asks me how... I got good at finger drumming, like how to play the pads that way. I'm always like, you know, 20 years of playing drums made it a lot easier, you know, and that's not the only way. But for me, it made it a lot easier in understanding just the concept of sitting behind a drum kit and what I would play, you know. And and for those watching, like before we go into hopefully uh, you'll perform a set at the end of the interview, what's in front of you? What are we looking at right now? So uh, the Machine Plus by Native Instruments, it's, this one is a standalone one. I've got, I can plug it into a computer still and use software that's connected to a computer. But right now I'm running it standalone. It's its own thing. You know, if I just pa- plug it into a wall and into some speakers, this would be all I'd need to produce a bunch of music if I wanted. Yeah, and yeah. then these are both also samplers and analog. This one is fully analog. I can't plug it into a computer, but it's full of tracks basically. So each bank has sub banks as well. And all 12 pads on all the banks have tracks on them. So it's basically just like you can sequence tracks, you can make music on it. I use it more for performance reasons. It's got amazing effects and this one is very similar. It's just a newer version of this one. So it's the Roland SB404 Mark II, and this is the SB404 SX. So the Mark II is a bit more like this one in that, you know, this is, I would say the SX came out in 2009, maybe. Okay. I, I, it, could be, it might be a little bit, uh, it might be newer than that. I'm not exactly sure, but it had been a long time since they put out a, a, an updated version. And this one is very much updated. I can use it with software and just have it connected to many things, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool understanding like how everything is, is composed. Um, and I've, I've had conversations with people before and I think some, some people don't understand the process behind electronic music and they think it's just clicking a button. And you've probably heard this before that you you're clicking a button and there's, there's no real like art behind it. And I, I argue with these people all the time, but can you walk me through like, I guess start to finish, you don't have to go too much in depth, but like you're putting a lot of work into what you're producing. It's not that simple as people think. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's, it's like an extremely involved and, you know, meticulous process in how I produce or how many other producers and beat makers work, you know? And, and I think, uh, you know, I've gotten so many, comments whether when i'm streaming live especially if i'm streaming on a platform like reddit it's that's like you know i don't uh, that place is bad like sometimes you can get some bad comments you know people just lashing out but reddit you know it, yeah. it, it's filled, 
many, many trolls. So, uh, but there's a lot of really good people on Reddit too that, you know, who became very good friends of mine now through Twitch and our Discord and all that. But on Reddit, I've gotten it many times where people will say like, you know, yes, I'm just clicking buttons. And I've heard that comment so many times, but I just brush it off, man. You know, it's like, you might not understand it and that's okay. You know, it's like many things. It's like the way some people perceive jazz music as being too complicated and some jazz music might be, but it's just because you're untrained to that, you know, like you're not familiar with it. So the unfamiliar can feel very uncomfortable and put people in a position where they're like, that's stupid, but you're like, but give it a chance, you know, and it's extremely involved and it takes a lot of, I'm not tout my own horn or anything, but it takes a lot of skill and time just like any other instrument, you know, especially coming from like, not only uh, producing arranged pieces in Ableton or any other DAW, but actually performing beats live becomes very organic. You know, it's, it's a very real thing. It's, you know, like I get asked so much, like, People think I might just be looping the samples and just playing drums over it. And they're like, well, that's stupid, you know? But first off, I don't think anything's stupid. If you want to perform and, you know, for a long time, I was kind of thick-headed like that where it was like, you know, I I felt like I needed my sets to be so like go crazy all the time. And some of my favorite sets, I'll never forget playing New Year's where I spilled... Uh, this is before I had a standalone version of this. So I needed a laptop with it and I spilt a, a half a glass of water on my laptop and it ended up being fine, but I couldn't bring it to the performance. And without my laptop, I couldn't use this. So I had this sampler and I don't need a computer with it. And it's got a bunch of beats and songs on it that I can sing over. And for a long time, I was like, if I'm not showcasing this craziness, then people won't like it. But the reality is like, and if it's good music and people can vibe to it, it doesn't matter how you're performing it. I don't, I don't care, you know? And I kind of got to that point in my life where I was like, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, like I saw one of my favorite sets of a, and the guy was playing all of his beats off an iPad app. And maybe it's just uncomfortable and not like a normal thing to see live where you're like, well, he's just got an iPad, but the music that was coming out, those speakers had me feeling away, you know? And I'm like, I'll never forget that feeling. And I'm like, it didn't matter how I was, how it was being made, you know? So it's definitely something that, yeah, I, I feel like it's not always just about that performance aspect, but when it does come to the performance, it's an extremely organic, very, very live thing, you know? So it's like any other instrument, it's like any other instrument, you know, I can make mistakes, I can improvise, I can switch beats in an instant. It's not to a grid, uh, you know, it's like very freeing in that way, which is why I really took to sort of performing that way on it, right? It's like, it felt so similar to me just sitting behind a kit and jamming with a band where, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's, I think the best part is with, with you producing lo-fi music, you can, you can make those mistakes. It doesn't have to necessarily be like a perfect track, right? Like those, those glitches are, are part of, of lo-fi music. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I wouldn't even categorize myself lo-fi. The, that term has become so overused, overused and generalized now that it's like, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I definitely, 
uh, I love producing a lot of different genres. That's one thing for sure. Like if you ever catch a show or a stream of mine, I'm playing, you know, songs that don't have any drums in them and I'm just singing over them, you know? And, and I think that I'll say, especially streaming, the combination of streaming and the background of playing in bands and playing solo shows, like singing just with a baritone ukulele gave me like that, that combination with Twitch gave me the freedom to like, feel like I can just make and share whatever music I make. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't have to just be that, but yeah, is a weird one because not to harp on it, but it's just a weird one because of the music that the word lo-fi is attached to has become so just, it's like this like blanket term for chill music. And I'm just, but you know, it's like when people start calling Dilla lo-fi, I'm like, but it's not just because it's beat based music, you know? So it's like something I'm trying to keep (laughs) to say, you know, it's not, just lo-fi. So. so I just I opened up the can of worms that I'll, I'll put. No, cool, man. It's cool, man. Uh, but I'm just gonna read some comments here, uh, Sonny. Uh, and actually, the music doesn't matter either. Although it's phenomenal, it's the heart and soul behind it that is the driving force that is loved by all. Yes. Yes, that's amazing. Gotta rock the love yourself hoodie. Hey, that's the homie Munch music from Detroit. Love yourself for life. Rare sounds world, baby. You already know all day. <laughs> uh, what's the next piece of equipment instru- or instrument you're interested in getting and why? Honestly, like it's a dream piece and it's something that like, I think I'm just going to have to wait in order to get it right now. But I just, I really want, you know, it could be either a Rhodes or, or a Wurlitzer EP200. Like, uh, I really want an analog, like a real electric piano. It's just been a dream of mine for so long, but, you know, they cost a measly 5500 and up, so it's not going to happen right now. <laughs> well, you, don't you get sponsored, I believe, by some some companies? Sure, but these are these are pieces of gear that were made in like the 70s, you know? Okay. Yeah, I definitely, to be honest, I, I'm, I've been very lucky with, with, you know, making some great relationships with the companies that I love their gear. You know what I mean? And it's not to say I haven't been getting hit up. I, I've gotten hit up by companies too, where I've said like, you know, it's just something I wouldn't use. So I'm not going to, even if they're offering a center for free, it's something that I'm like, I won't do it justice. You know, it's something that I won't use. And, and I've had companies just send me gear to try out and I end up sending it back if it's something I don't really, you know what I mean? Like, I love the product, right? So exactly. And, and for me, like, I've got a great relationship with both Native Instruments and Roland and a few other companies that I really love to work with. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy, man. If I could get like a universal audio endorsement or Apogee or one of those really good hi-fi audio interface preamp companies, (laughs) putting it out there for anyone out in the internet, you know, that would be nice. That would be, I would love that. (laughs) Well, it's neat that you, you have the, the ability with the platform that you you've built and it's it's very large in, in your community um, that you that you're able to have these these brand uh, opportunities and you know you, you can promote things with ads um, 
talk to me about the the business model as a producer and we talked a little bit before this but you're doing this full time yep definitely how does how does that work how like and especially if there's other artists that are watching i mean what would be your advice to them trying to to make a living off of of being an artist yeah i mean it's interesting because when i think back to when a, like you know like with native instruments that that relationship with them, that connection happened so naturally because of social media, right? Like it was, it wasn't me trying to like email them constantly to try figuring this out because, you know, like I, I'm just an independent artist the full way, you know, like I'm self-managed and I'm also Munch, the homie keeps me in check all the time. And, you know, it's something that I'm like, I definitely don't, now I'll reach out to companies now knowing sort of how I can, you know, showcase a product or do that. But back like even say five years mm-hmm. when I really started to work with Native Instruments, that just came from me posting videos like crazy. And I'm talking about like I did uh, 65 beats in 65 days and shot a video for it every single time and posted for 65 days in a row. And I had like, that was the first time, that's how our collective Rare Sounds world started because I had been inviting some homies over from Detroit to pull up and just like, I would say like, hey, while I'm making the beat, you want to write some bars and then we can just shoot a video at the end. And that's what we would do. And we made so much music that way. And it's funny because the more I used it and showcased the product, I mean, it's free advertising for them in that way that they can just be like, hey, can we repost your video? to our half million or however many followers they have. And, you know, as an up and coming producer, even now I'm still like, yes, please. You know, like that definitely. But I feel like that really came from just me loving the product so much and not thinking too much about how do I get sponsored by them, but actually just how do I showcase what I do at its best, you know, the, the best I can do it. So I was just really excited about it at the time. And then Mick, uh, the community manager from Native Instruments, who's probably the greatest company rep I've ever met in my life, man. Mick Benjamins, that guy is next level, man. That I love working with Native Instruments so much. But they, uh, yeah, he reached out and was like, you know, first connected me with their social media manager. And then eventually was like, hey, they let me in on the, when the new machine was coming out and they sent me one early and we're just uh-huh. seeing what I thought about it because they saw how much I used it. And uh, yeah, now it's just, it's like an amazing relationship with them. But I feel like that all really just came from, you know, and I still, and like I look at my Twitter, I don't have a lot of followers, you know, like my network isn't that large. And, and companies can find out anything they want about my analytics. The only analytics that are made unavailable to any company are Twitch analytics. For some reason, it's on their back end that they don't allow that. But there are websites that you can pay and see my exact numbers, my average number of viewers per video when it drops. It's like a very wild like deep things. So all these companies know that. And that's why you can't like fake pitch to a company and be like, oh man, I got collectively 60 or 70,000 followers across all my platforms. But I'm like, does that mean you have 70,000 followers? Does, you know, they can easily see 
that those analytics. So I think for me, the the main thing I've always tried to do is just be real, like be real all the way where I'm like, man, I'm not sugarcoating anything. Like you can go to my YouTube and see that when I post videos, generally they don't get over maybe a thousand views or so. Some have gotten 6,000 or 25,000 or it's just randomly one catches the algorithm in that way. But it's really more about how I showcase the product, right? They, like my relationship with these companies is so positive and, and real in a way that I'm like, you know, the business aside, like these are people that I, I jive with, like they're great people, you know, they're really, really good people. So it's something that I'm like, yeah, companies are definitely, they obviously they could reach out. There are so many people out there that they could reach out to with a million followers and, and do that. And I'm sure they still do. But if you are able to showcase a product well in a way that, you know, is honest and real, I, companies are always down to work with you. You know what I mean? Like, I really feel that though. Like, I've reached out to many companies recently for the last like year to do some like stream collaborations or uh, product giveaways. Like, you know, Native Instruments gave to, uh, we've been doing like a weekly sample flip challenge for over a year now. And we did it for 52 consecutive weeks. That's a lie because we missed one week. I had to shift it, but 52 weeks of sample flips on the Twitch, on my Twitch channel. And for the year anniversary, we had Native Instruments giving out a machine MK3, III headphones, which are amazing headphones. They gave out these brand new wireless latency free headphones. I mean, like, <laughs> and it's not, again, like, I'm not getting thousands of viewers on my Twitch. They know that, you know, yeah. it's more about the relationship that I forge with our community. At our Rare Sounds world family and the Twitch community that I feel very like, man, they see that, you know, they can easily pull up into a stream and everybody from our community, especially like if I get front page support from Twitch and there is thousands of people, the Rare Sounds world community pulls up and everybody's like open arms, like welcome, you know, come on in. And, and I think that that helps so much too, because it's like, you, you know, is it, it, it the old saying of like, you are what you eat, you know, like you are who you surround yourself with. And I feel like we're a lot of like-minded individuals that, you know, just do that. So it's cool, man. I feel very, very, very lucky. And I know I've worked hard. I've really worked hard over the last, like, especially a handful of years, but I do feel very lucky because it's like, Although I don't make a ton of money, I'm able to, you know, pay. I'm able to live. I have a, a kid and, you know, we're able to still do fun things. And I still feel very like, I just feel super, super fortunate to be in this position, man. Like, especially because most of the last like few years were life changing for me. Like I was saying earlier with Twitch and all that. So yeah, man, the, the brands just, you know. There are brands I would like to still connect with, like Adidas. Send me some clothing. I'll wear it all the time. You know what I mean? But uh, that'll be down the line. That'll be down the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, it, it's cool that you talked about like really how to successfully form a relationship with brands as an artist because that's a huge component of what you're doing. And then also being transparent with your platform 
to anyone you're trying to market your product. It doesn't have to be music. It, it could be anything really, but Absolutely. being transparent about what it is. Absolutely. Too hot in my house right now. <laughs> you got the heater on, man. It's just too hot in the house. No worries. I uh, have uh, just one question from the audience and then we'll go. Yeah, yeah. If you're okay with performing one of your favorite uh, tracks, we'll do that. Sure. It not be too long. Uh, I know you're busy, but this question comes from uh, Glenn Latier. What made you start the weekly sample flip challenge? It's so amazing to spectate. Yeah, the weekly challenges really started because I was inspired uh, before the pandemic. I was doing, there's there's a really dope crew that started out of Montreal and and uh, Sao Paulo. I think it was Sao Paulo, somewhere, somewhere in Brazil, but uh, called Loop Sessions. And amazing crew of people. And basically the whole vibe was like, they did a monthly or maybe bi-weekly get together at like a spot, whether it's a cafe or a bar and someone, they would have like a guest bring a crate of records and one person in the, in, you know, of the say 20 producers show up or 30 producers show up. The first person to show up gets to pick what record everybody samples from. So they go and quickly preview it, just kind of skip through it. And then, uh, they, everyone has five minutes to sample from the same record. So you go up to the station, you put the record down, you sample it, you get your USB key and put it on your rig and you put your headphones on. And for like two or three hours, everybody's in this like cafe or wherever you are with headphones on, just like vibing out, sampling on mi like mini keyboards. Some people are just on a laptop. Some people are on samplers, whatever you, f is your, you know, weapon of choice in that way. So I, the first time I experienced that was just like, this is amazing and I want to do this, you know? So over time, Loop Sessions, you know, branched off to Vancouver, to like LA, to everywhere. I mean, they have them everywhere, Toronto. So I reached out to the to the guys at Loop Sessions and was like, could I start one in Windsor with their approval, obviously, to do that? And we ended up starting one in Windsor and we were doing it at Craft Heads the last Sunday of every month. And it was really, really awesome because I was meeting so many. And when I say so many, I mean, we were getting maybe 15, max 20 producers coming out. It's not a very large producer community in Windsor, you know? Maybe now we're probably growing a little bit more, but mm. it's it's really cool because we were getting people pulling up from Detroit a lot. So wow. we would like, I would bring out a crate of records or have someone bring out a crate of records and do it exactly that way. I'd bring out my my record player and my interface and everything so people can sample it and just transfer it to their rig. And I just, the moment the pandemic hit, we stopped doing those. And I really miss that sort of aspect in my life where I was like, you know, excuse me, like I love playing shows and don't get me wrong. I really, I do miss playing shows, but I feel like something about that camaraderie of just like, it wasn't a competitive thing. Everybody was like, yeah. I just wanted to each other, right? Yeah, exactly, man. And just to see where everybody else's mind went with those samples and those songs and what they did. So, and what's wild is sometimes like someone will pick a record and on an average record, say there's 12 songs, like somehow, you know, nine of the 15 people all pick the same section of this one song, you know? So it's really interesting the way people think that way too. So uh, when the pandemic hit, I didn't start streaming until later. I think the when it got real bad, it was like March, April, and we had our son in April of 2020. So peak pandemic. And then uh, I was doing one-on-one -on -one lessons. And one of the students I was working with, 
pulled up on one of the lessons and we were just, it was like a Zoom lesson. And he's like, man, you got to stream on Reddit, bro. He's like, I had 10,000 people the other night. And I was like, no way, man, no way. You know, like there's no way. And he's like, you got to, he's like, you're so much better than me, man. He's like, I, I don't even, I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, he's like, I have two songs, you know, he's like, I just had to keep playing the same. And, and I was like, okay, well, I'll try streaming on Reddit. And the funny thing with Reddit is like, it's whole process to be able to stream on there. You need comment karma. So you have to like, I spent two weeks commenting on other posts, hoping that people would upvote my comments in order to be able to even stream. So you have to, it gave me the first sort of like taste of like the live streaming world of what it means to contribute to a community and be a part of something to be able to actually, you know, reap any of those benefits. So I started streaming on Reddit and the second time I streamed on it late night, two in the morning, I have to do it was like 13,000 people, man. It was the crazy wow. thing. The chat is like going so crazy. It's so fast. It's hard to keep up with. And at that point, I still didn't even have a Twitch or anything. And I called Munch right away. And I, like I'm leaving him messages. I was like, dude, it, it happened. It, it worked. It worked, you know? So we both got on that platform really heavy and started to see sort of like, common names. Like we were like, Oh shit, I'm seeing these names again. I'm like, so we started chatting about doing uh, Twitch channels and that's when I started Twitch. And, and uh, yeah, man, I think that it just kind of happened naturally where I was like seeing what other producers were kind of doing on Twitch with the beat battles and all that. And I was like, well, I want to do a live sort of, I didn't want to do loop sessions. I saw they were kind of starting at that at the same time there, but I wanted to do my own sample flip challenge where it wasn't just like me picking a sample from my vinyl collection or a song or something. It was me actually writing a piece of music that people then sample. So it, it started off as just me. And I think for the first like, you know, 20 odd weeks, I just wrote a song every week and I would drop the sample on a Tuesday night and the producers would have 24 hours to flip it and submit it by Wednesday night. And then we would listen through all of the the samples and you know it, it i ended up starting to pick a top 3 because i had like native instruments offering to give away these plugins every week and excellent audio these amazing companies and i was like well we got to do something then you know like and i still it's not like a battle mentality but it's just fun to pick some faves of the night so i i kind of got that feeling of like i it was amazing because some of these producers who were winning were just so phenomenal and next level talented that it just continued to inspire me. I was like, I want to keep doing this. And that sample flip challenge became such a huge part of my weekly schedule. Like it's such a huge part of my week every single week. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting to see all these relationships and these musical collaborations. Like I'm now streaming and having people like send bass to me while I'm making a song live and they're like contributing to these songs and I'm releasing these songs and they're, we're all splitting the royalties and the publishing on it and everything. You know what I mean? It's like, like someone like matrix, who's a phenomenal producer. uh, He, him and I have written a lot of music together now, but I got a song dropping on Sunday night called walk away. And it was from week 25 of our sample flip challenge. And it's like, that's a song him and I wrote you know, Zara, she was in the chat here earlier. I'm not sure if she's still here, but probably one of my favorite voices I have heard ever. You know, I'm such a fan of her voice. And and it's like, 
I wouldn't have met these people had it not been for for Twitch and those sample flip challenges and doing that, you know? So it's really, really cool, man. It's really cool. Like those, those sample flip challenges mean a lot to me. And, and just like those relationships that have grown from those, those samples and everything. Like I've collaborated with so many of these producers who have, you know, won previous challenges or just like have flipped samples of mine. And it's really, really cool, man. Like I can't speak enough about it. Like how, amazing it is it, it really is it's so it's so cool that you're you're providing a platform where it, everyone's learning from each other and it's also giving them an opportunity to um get involved with you and and release tracks with you but they're learning at the same time so it, it's like you're, you've really built a a community of producers locally but you know across the world where you're you're learning from each other and you're learning from other producers um so it, it really cool story that you shared there. Um, yeah. but, but for me, not knowing like much of this space at all, let's, if you can show me how it, how it works. Absolutely. I'll show you right now. I'm going to bring up a, a track. Like, let me see. I'm just going to load something up here that I, okay, this is actually, this is perfect. I feel like this could be a good one. So the way to break it down and it's like simplest form, usually this one is an example of where I have like, normally I'll have my drums on the, there, there they are, on the bottom four pads and the top 12 pads are always my, my samples. But in this instance, I've got some like, some auxiliary, like a different snare and a floor tom and some other stuff like a, another tom gear. So just to allow me to kind of like, play more freely and feel like I'm behind a kit on some songs like that. But the way I'll do it is like, so you hear the sample. So it's a song, you know what I mean? This is like, the song is called Pursuit of Happiness. I forget what the artist is, but I sampled this one from a, a track lib library online. So. If I just hit the pad, it'll play out the whole song, but I'll take it and I'll split it up on certain pads, like things that I like about it, you know, like this note. You know, so I can, in theory, I can play it in any way I really want, you know, like the way I normally play this one is, and I'll show you now with the drums where it's like... switch to another you know so and these this is another part of the track where i'll like sing over it do some vibes that way you know i don't feel like the sample but i have to keep re-triggering it you know yeah so the cool thing about it is it allows me to like kind of you know 
already take a track that I've played so many times and I kind of figured out what my uh, arrangement is with it. And, and each pad here is usually a different song or two parts to one song as far as like a live set goes. So this track, like I could, you know, there's, I, I have a full, and the album I just dropped, uh, I would say three weeks ago now, maybe it was four weeks ago. I don't even remember anymore. I've dropped so much music this, this year. I've dropped every a song or a project every week. So, and I just talked about this on my Twitter today because I was like feeling a weird feeling about it. For some reason last night, I read some, someone else posted a tweet about like uh, a fan sharing a little blurb about their music and saying how cohesive their, their uh, catalog is. And I was like, shit, mine, like mine is, mine is me, <laughs> you know, it's me a hundred percent, but it's not necessarily like totally cohesive because I could go from, you know, more of a track that I would sing on to one that I'm like blasting the pads and going crazy, but it's me and I, and I'm just setting the vibe that I want to set that way, you know? So, uh, but it's super fun though with the pads. It really is because like you can like change up the sample in any way you want to play it really. Like everyone would do their own version of it. You know, if you had your way of like flipping a sample, you might not think to flip those same parts as me. So it's just interesting. Like, so like, like this little part, but you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of fun how like you can reimagine songs in that way. Sometimes the flip is even deeper in a way that's like you, in this instance, if I knew the original song and I heard it somewhere, I would be like, oh, damn, maybe maybe someone would be like, oh, Dasson sampled that, you know? Yeah, but yeah. oftentimes, like, you might flip a sample in such a way that you don't even know what sample it is, you know? And that was kind of like, that's the, the, the Jay Dilla inspiration there where, like, he would chop things up in a way that was like, he would stitch them together in such a seamless way that made it feel like that was the song. And he was just like looping something. But then you're like, no, he was taking. <laughs> you want to come say hi? <laughs> Why are you crawling? Come here. Come here. The star of the show. And then we named our son, Sun. S-U-N-N. Did you? Did you? Wow. Sun Sly. Hi. Oh, hi. Say hi. Hey. <laughs> hey. 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 How's it going? Hi. <laughs> so cool. Nice to meet you, son. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're, you're a little crazy right now. I, I'm working. I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> he wants me to play with him. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, we'll wrap it up here so you can uh, see your son. Um, but you know, <laughs> such a, you're such a cool dude, man. And I mean, like, I feel like I could be Thank you. I feel like I could be at like at a cafe or like studying or doing something and just like vibing to your music the entire time. Yes, sir. Just like listening to the instrumentals. Like it's, it's so cool. And I remember seeing you in 2019 at uh, dropped on Drular, and that's where I first found out. Oh, about nice. You. Cool, man. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's so cool to watch, watch your career progress and, and just really listen to your music and soak it in. Um, there's so much meaning to it. 
And yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you you jumping on tonight and those that are watching. Thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh for having me, man. I mean, this is so cool and and I think it's such a, you know, it's fun for me to reconnect a bit more too with like just Windsor again in a weird way. I know that sounds odd to say, but I feel like having not excuse me, having not been playing for two, over two years now and going from playing every weekend or being on tour with the last few bands I was in and stuff. I f it's such a weird change to go like, whoa, now I'm like just in my house all the time and I'm streaming from my living room. Like, dude, this is my, literally my living room. Like I, my couch is back there and the, these two chairs, like I work out of my living room all the way. So uh, it's really like, Look at this setup, and like your tech is just like unreal. Next level, man. I I took the time. It wasn't like this at the beginning. It wasn't like this at the beginning. I started with just the iPhone, and then I went. Uh, I went with like you know. I made many many changes and updates. Uh, a lot, if not most of the money I made from streaming. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I reinvested. Right. You know. I wanted to make it. Um of a great viewing experience for people too who catch it. I, I want it to feel, you know, oftentimes it looks kind of like a film shot in a way too. If you catch any of my streams, they, I really try my best to make it look like, you know, cool in that way. You know, that's why I got this custom case built by somebody local here in Windsor. Actually, his name's Zach. Incredible builder and designer. And yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, cool, man. Let's leave it at that. I know your 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 uh, your yep. son. He's like going to hang out. <laughs> but dude, thanks so much. Uh, I I mean, what Glenn said is perfect. Mad respect to you, Datsun. Uh, Thank you. I think everyone in Windsor is super proud of you, and I'm glad you came on to to reconnect with the folks in Windsor Essex. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me, man. Rare Sounds World, love y'all, man. Thank you to uh, the Twitch fan for pulling up, man. Awesome. Uh, thanks, everyone. Yes. Have a great uh, great day, man. You too.